0: Oh g'day everybody, how are you going? My name's Frankie Walnut. I was born when my mother gave birth to me and I've lived all my life. I grew up in a tiny place called Clintonvale. There were no restaurants or shops there. If you wanted to eat out when you lived in Clintonvale, you had to go up the road to the tiny township of Ellora. If you wanted to have a fancy meal in Ellora, you went to Belladonna's restaurant. Like Silvio Berlusconi, it was a fully blown Italian. At some point after they opened, they realised that the more cream they put in their meals, the better the meals would sell. Business was booming, but then this local building contractor called Ray Marsden had a particularly dense knocky they'd prepared with clotted cream, whipped cream and just cream. It was 1979 when he went into the food coma and he didn't wake up until 1983. While he'd been in the coma, they'd installed new traffic lights at the main intersection of town. Ray Marsden saw them and the culture shock gave him a heart attack and he dropped dead. The place we always used to go was a hamburger restaurant called McDowell's. It was owned by a guy called Ronald McDowell. He used to be a clown in a little travelling circus called the Dingaling Brothers. The Dingaling Brothers were using the circus as a front to transport amphetamines around the country and despite their amusing name, they were not to be trifled with. Ronald had moved to Ellera to settle down after he had a whirlwind romance with a contortionist named Betty. She folded up into his hand luggage and they ran off together and then started McDowell's Restaurant. Going to McDowell's was kind of like going to a circus that served food. They had only one song they played on the speakers there, it was Abracadabra by the Steve Miller Band. Ebra, Ebra, kadebra. I'm gonna reach out and grab ya. Betty would make the hamburgers with her feet while standing on her head, while Ronald would juggle sauces and lettuces and tomatoes and onions. But since moving to Ellera, Ronald had developed a bit of a drinking problem and his juggling wasn't what it used to be. He'd drop stuff over the floor all the time and Betty would slip on it on her hands and end up burning her feet on the hot plate. She ended up with heaps of little band-aids all over her feet and sometimes you'd get one on your cheeseburger. It was brilliant, sort of like a lucky dip. Me and my little brother Shaney just loved going to McDowell's. We'd always hassle mum to take us there but you know they didn't have much money and so mum would say how about we just make burgers at home and I can put a band-aid in it myself. But she didn't understand it just never tasted the same as Betty McDowell's band-aids. Once mum even tried to stand on her head while she was cooking like Betty but she tipped over and rolled through the screen door. After that we always had flies in the kitchen. For my seventh birthday all I wanted was a McDowell's birthday party. When you had a birthday party there you'd get a McDowell's birthday cake made of pig fat and icing sugar and everyone at your party got McDowell's party hats and their own head of lettuce to take home afterwards to do whatever they wanted with. On the actual morning of my 7th birthday, I woke up at dawn and there was no one in the house. It was deserted. I went outside and there was no one there either. I started to get a bit worried but then I realised it wasn't the morning of my birthday after all but late afternoon on the day before, I'd just been having a nap and everyone was out shopping. On the actual morning of my 7th birthday, I woke up at dawn and there was no one in the house. Thinking it was the afternoon of another day, I went outside. There was Dad. He said, Get in the boot of the car. I said, Where are we going? But he just slammed the boot and left me there in the dark. It smelled like petrol. After a bit, I felt the car start moving and getting faster as it went onto the highway. Anyway, two and a half hours later, the boot opened up. and We were at McDowell's. Happy birthday, said Dad. Eller was only 30 k's up the road from Clintonvale, but Dad had driven around for longer to make it a bigger surprise for me when we got there. Boy, was I surprised all right. My legs were shaking. Inside McDowell, sitting at a table wearing party hats, was Grandad, Shaney, Mum and Dad, and my friend Gary Ryan. Gary's parents were members of a small religious group called the teens, which meant they followed the teachings of American hard rock guitarist Ted Nugent. The Nugentines believed that you should only listen to hard rock, not heavy metal, and that you should never drink or take drugs, and you should only eat meat that you've killed yourself. So Gary's parents had made him bring along a bag of his own meat he'd hunted, to ask if McDowell's could cook it up for his burger. He didn't really wanna make such a big fuss, but his mum told him that Ted Nugent could see everything he did. And if he ate the McDowell's meat, he wouldn't go to rock and roll heaven after the great wango tango had happened. My grandad held Gary's meat up to the light and said, looks good, reminds me of a lovely cut of venison I had once while fleeing the Nazis through the French Pyrenees. It's wombat, said Gary. I shot it with my crossbow. Betty McDowell had always been over backwards for her customers, so she was happy to cook it up for us, but she said she'd have to charge corkage. There was enough for all of us to go around and it was delicious. Ronald McDowell came out in his full clown outfit to service the burgers. He was really, really drunk and wearing one roller skate, which he seemed to have forgotten he'd put on. Every second step he'd take, he'd slide uncontrollably forward and then catch himself and look puzzled for a minute before stepping on it again and sliding forward. Everybody in McDowell's was laughing so hard. It was clear Ronnie didn't know why we were all laughing but being the true professional he went along with it shaking his head and saying "Oh, another day another dollar. It was getting towards the end of my party and we'd been given our lettuces and Ronald was about to bring out the cake when Shaney stood up in his high chair and pointed at the door of the restaurant and started laughing. We looked over and there was this huge bald man wearing a black sabbath t-shirt and carrying a crowbar he walked up to the counter and smashed the crowbar down so hard that the sound of it made my teeth rattle in my head betty he yelled is that you all he could see was betty's legs sticking up from behind the counter she was trying to crack eggs for the breakfast menu with her feet and they were going everywhere her feet stopped moving and a voice said from the floor who's that Whoa, whoa, yelled Ronnie as he came sliding over to the counter and crashing to the floor. Ronnie McDowell, you bastard, yelled the bald man. He leaned over and swung the crowbar at Ronnie who was trying to get up. Luckily his one skate pulled his body out from under him and the crowbar missed his skull as he fell flat onto his back. Everyone in the restaurant applauded, thinking it was some kind of floor show event. Betty, I've travelled this country's highways and byways looking for you, said the bald man, and I'm here to take you back to the circus. I love you with all my heart and I want to be with you forever and ever. What's a byway? said Ronald. It's a minor ancillary track, often unsurfaced and usually in regional areas. Too small to be called a road, street or highway, called out my granddad. Everyone in the restaurant applauded again. Granddad took off his cap and waved it in the air. Don't listen to him, Betty, said Ronald. I doubt he's ever been on a byway. I have too, said the ball man. In my business as an amphetamine dealer, I've had to go on heaps of byways. The audience went, ooh. Please, Betty, he said. Leave this clown and come back to the Dingaling Brothers and we can make little dingalings together. Betty's legs disappeared for a moment and then she stood up. I've missed you, Barry, she said. No, called out Ronald and tried to get to his feet again. Betty said, I've missed that big fat head of yours, Barry. Ronnie's head's way too small, like a little cat's skull. I have a normal head, said Ronald. He clambered onto the counter as Barry leaned over and swept Betty up in his arms, dropping the crowbar, clanging onto the floor. Betty rolled up into a ball in Barry's arms and he walked towards the door. No, cried Ronald, and started weeping. Betty, please don't go. Bugger you, Ronnie, I'm sick of burning me feet on the hot plates, she said. Just as Barry and Betty were about to reach the door an arrow shot through the air and lodged itself in Barry's shoulder blade. Ouch, he said. I looked down and saw that my friend Gary was crouched beside our table with his crossbow. He'd seen Barry's heavy metal shirt and heard him talking about drugs and decided Betty needed rescuing. Put the lady down, yelled Gary. Barry ignored him and walked out the door, got in his truck and they drove off. The diners of McDowell's restaurant gave a standing ovation. Ronald wept for a while and then brought out my ice cream cake, which at this stage was completely melted and in a bowl. Happy birthday, he said, and sniffed. Oh, well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was my seventh birthday party. I hope you enjoyed it as much as the audience at McDowell's did that day. I've had a good week. Uh, I'm a bit worried I'm going to India uh, today, so I don't know if I'll be doing the podcast next week. Um... I'll probably send a few uh, pics over, though. They'll be on my Facebook and on my Twitter. And uh, I hope you all have a wonderful time. And uh, I'll talk soon. Bye-bye.